0: Another episode of Into the Ether with Jackalaka. So last night, I found myself jerking off yet again. Not the real kind of jerking off, like Cyril might like to think, or would assume. You know, the fake kind of jerking off. The kind of jerking off that all of us do we get off work, after we get out of school, and we go home, and we finally take those jeans off, or slacks, or whatever you're wearing to the office, and you put those comfy clothes on, you know, that t-shirt with a million holes in it that she's constantly trying to throw away. It's drying in moths, she says. That's why there's so many holes in it, she says. It stinks even after you wash it, she says. I don't care. This shirt has been with me through the thick and thin. This shirt was around before you were around, okay? And it's gonna stick around. So I'm in my comfy clothes. And yeah, this shirt definitely stinks. I don't really care. I like my stink. You should like yours too. And if you tell me you don't like your own stink, I'm gonna call you a liar. I love my stink. So, my friend Travis wants me to help him move. No problem. Even though he didn't help me move last time. We had a great conversation. Travis is a very unique guy. He's the guy who'll give you a shirt off his back if he's not sleeping or hungover. Travis has been in the music scene as long as I have in the area. We talked a little bit about him starting out as a musician in a small racist town. We talked a little bit about his influences and some mentors. We even talked a little bit about Travis wanting to cover Proud to be Black by Run DMC not sure how well that would go over, Trav. But I think I might dance to it if you played it. So here's the second episode of Into the Ether with Jack Alaka. Enjoy. Travis, I've known you I mean, we must have met when I was 14, 15, somewhere in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 16. 94? Uh, yeah, 94-ish. That's... Jesus. When I first met you, it was in a school, and uh, this classroom called... Um, I don't even remember what the class was the called. The shitty student class. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah, basically <laughs> yeah. the shitty student class because... This is where we keep our drag children. Yeah, exactly. We were unruly... The guy's name was Mr. Smith, right?
1: Yeah. What was his first name? Was it Brian? Was it Brian Smith? Brian Smith? Wow. I'm surprised. Wow. It's it probably... I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't remember. His daughter was terrible, though. His daughter? Yeah. What was her name? His name around your podcast. Would she just kind of come around every once in a while? And She was one of those... I mean, I think in this high school, so it's crap, but just... You know, insecure. And not, not insecure passive, like the aggressive insecure where you will pay attention. <laughs> you will like me! I don't know, she wasn't that bad, but uh, I dated some birth friends. That's all that matters. So I met you around that time, like 14,
0: 15, 16. Honestly, I can't remember which, but whatever it is. Um, it was, you know, I was a, just had become a teenager. Mm-hmm. Halfway on my way to being an adult, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> and, uh. Different things to different people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so. You weren't always in Jamestown where we met. No,
1: you I, had kind of recently just can't come there. I was born here. And I moved to. Cloquet, Minnesota, or Saginaw, Minnesota, when I was eight, and then to Duluth, and then just around that area uh, until I was like 17, maybe. And I had a falling out with my ma, and I came down to Jamestown. And because I didn't really know my dad, and turns out he's just a badass. Great old man, just turned 86 years old one, two weeks ago. You're talking about Milo. Milo, the great. Milo. (laughs) Milo there. Oh, can't do it anymore. Can you touch on a little bit, like, there was a disagreement? Well, I mean, my mom sucked. She She wasn't a great mom. And it's like she may have been doing her best at the time, which, you know, I appreciate. But... You know, it, it doesn't matter if at the end you try to be, you know, an okay mom. If you spent your early years being a shitty mom, sorry, man, the shit sticks. <laughs> and it, it was, we reached a point where we were just fighting and, and just weren't getting along. And I was a teenager, you know, almost as mentally ill as my maternal unit. And then I, uh, just left. I left her a poem. I wrote this long, long poem called, they just, they wrote on top of your poem and just basically said, sorry, mom, I love you, but we hate each other essentially. And, and we don't, that's, that's, that's way too intense. I mean, I didn't hate her at times. I did, but, uh, no, then I moved to Jamestown and met my dad who is a musician. And Did you have siblings? I have a ton of That siblings. you left behind in cocaine? No, I was the baby of of the pack and So you lived alone with your mom then at yeah. that time? Yeah. Okay. But I took in as many straggler friends as I could just to have a buffer between me and my mom. <laughs> 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 I took in Don Wilson and my friend Dave. Uh he was in a hard time and like, Hey mom, Dave's moving in for a while. But
0: yeah, and then I don't know. So I I know all these names because you know I, I obviously grew up with you and mm-hmm. um, I've heard a lot of stories about
1: um, the names that you had dropped. So who who was Dave? He was just a high school buddy, really tall, super tall Dave, and just he was really cool. He like he looked like like when you're young. Like, he had this awesome long hair and like this wearing Megadeth shirts. I'm mean, like, this guy's gonna be a rock star one day. And he didn't he didn't have an in, didn't play an instrument, but I did. But he like, man, this stick with this guy. He just looks cool. Yeah. He was really funny. And his sister was gorgeous. But uh But uh, yeah we just hung out we we're just high school buddies. Does you have a crush on his sister? Everybody had a crush on his <laughs> sister, man. She's she was that girl. She was like yeah, she she was yeah, she was just a really attractive girl. And she knew it, but whatever. At the age, of like, I was like 16, 17, and she was like 14. She was like, and that was her, you know, right around there, was like, ah, too young. Even at that time, I'm too young. Mm-hmm. No, he was just a good buddy. And his, he had really good family, really good family units. Yeah, so you hang out over at his place a lot. Yeah, his it was really remarkable seeing a functioning family. You know, I mean, his, his folks were divorced, but it, it just seems, you know, not as chaotic as the place I came from. <laughs> so, um, Dave's functioning household, uh, parents cooking with their kids, you know, and just talking. <laughs> yeah. Dialogue between family members. Yeah. But, uh, no, and in fact, like his dad isn't whose father- his name was Steve. He took me in because I just didn't get along with my my mom, but no, but then I moved to Jamestown met my dad, who turned out to be in a band, and that was totally awesome, and so I started playing so right I, away, I mean right, basically, when I came down, it's because my father because I would come down for summers back to Jamestown, North Dakota, and he had just instruments everywhere, but I didn't really see him play within a... Once in a while, I would. So you, yeah, your father, Milo. Milo the musician. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he... Hell of a singer. Great. Oh, He's the greatest singer I've ever met. And I'm not saying that just because he's a, my old man. I have a couple CDs that are... Just... I, I don't even know how a voice sounds that good. It's like just... Dipped in perfection. Awesome vibrato. Like, I have, I have no vibrato. I couldn't, you know, that whole thing escapes me. I can't do it. Just a great range. And did, was your dad part of that, teaching you how to play
0: guitar? Or did you learn that on your own, kind of just by ear or somewhere else? He,
1: he... Uh, like, who was your mentor? Didn't really have a lot of mentors, but admittedly, he would probably be considered one, because like, he played old, like, Marty Robbins and, and, like, really old country. And, I mean, I was into suicidal tendencies at the time. But he could still, I mean, sing just incredibly. And he taught me, you know, he taught me old El Paso. <laughs> from nice. Marty Robbins and we played it a couple times and then I would play drums and he would jam on guitar oh so you played drums that early as well yeah well I when I was I, in Duluth I took drum lessons in a catholic school that I was going to how long did you go to catholic school for two years wow two years and it sucked but you know it it wasn't there wasn't any sexual assault or anything it's a fucking drag because I could use the money right now <laughs> You know, ah, took it for the team. <laughs> but no, yeah, I started with drum lessons, and I was going to Catholic school uh, when um, Injustice for All came out. And I was, it was, I was really just, my first concert was the Monkees. My second concert was Metallica within a few months, because I was, like, really getting into music at the time, and, uh, and so I went to this Metallica concert, and there was all this, the Tipper Gore bullshit was still floating in mainstream media or you know, trying to censor, you know, music, and Zappa was there, a bunch of people were, you know, just defending this, and, uh, (laughs) I remember listening to it like thinking to myself, like, does this make me self-destructive? Like, this, does this does this make me want to break stuff? Does this make me want to shoot myself? Because that you know, apparently like I don't know if it was Sa- I can't remember if it was Sabbath or someone like some kids sh- took their lives and referenced some rock band, or their parents noticed they were listening to rock music, and they thought instead of you know <laughs> being lost, confused children, it has to be the music that they're listening to. But yeah. I remember just listening, like, really scouring um, that album, like, like, really, like, like, what about This Is Evil? It was really awesome. Yeah. And then I started... Kind of bringing you from childhood into... uh, Well, yeah, it was... Something new. Yeah, because there was, at the time, so much stigma on it, and I was going to a Catholic school at the time. And so, like, I, I, gotten basically, like, I, did, I wasn't doing drugs or anything, but like a junkie looking for a fix. I'm like, okay, there's nothing on, and for All. So I went down to um, last place on Earth in Duluth, and looked at all. I was looking at. I wanted to find an evil album that that made me feel some sensation, because I was so I could stave it off. You know, like, okay. I can feel it, the demons or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I bought Overkill. Um, so
0: would you say you had reached the age of reason? Uh, no. <laughs> Some, uh, sort of an age that now you can decide for yourself?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the, but it really wasn't, I didn't think, uh, I was trying to buy into it. I wasn't being skeptical. I wasn't I, I certainly wasn't a skeptical person at the time. I believed in aliens and ghosts and everything you know, yeah. and because it's it's just romantic and beautiful at that age, you know you, you know like there's no Santa, but fucking aliens are real and ghosts are real but well maybe not <laughs> you know yeah. uh, but uh no, and so like I just start buying like metal albums. What did you listen to before that then? Prince and the Monkeys, my f- the first thing I ever music I ever owned was and it was I remember what inspired me like, like I was riding in a car with family and uh, Paul Simon came on and I, I, I you know I'd heard music a million times and you know liked stuff but I was just there was this moment to this. Sit in the back seat and the window open and the just I remember like just blowing this wind on my face it just I was just, just being i like, really enjoying being a kid. It just felt like you know a really good day. And this Paul Simon came on and and, and I, I think it was slip sliding away, but because uh, everything he does is beautiful. But uh, I remember just like how do you create this? Like where does this come from? But at the same time a lot of my friends were into metal and like other rock stuff. And, you know, it's and so I just I went to my sister and I'm like, give me anything. You know, give me give me any musical thing you have. And she gave me uh Purple Rain and to this date I probably have listened to that album more than any album ever. Because I had this little tape player and I played it until that tape broke. And my little single tape flair. just, you know, I walked around like it was a boombox, but I lived in, you know, essentially the projects in Jamestown, the yellow apartments, whatever they are. And, uh, and then I went back to my sister. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. What do you have next? And then her, uh, then fiance, now husband gave me, uh, run DMC tougher than leather. (laughs) And but i love the shit out of that album, too, man. i love that album. I like it. If I wouldn't... I would love to do a cover of Proud to be Black. I'm proud to be black, y'all. And that's a fact, y'all. <laughs> trying to take it back. you trying to take this back. I'll take it back, y'all. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's such a great album. But yeah, and... And then I came back to Duluth, turned on MTV at the time, and there were the monkeys. And like they, they, And I was like a miserable kid. I'm like, these guys are musicians. I'm having a great time. I'm like just new into music. I'm like, these guys are like doing it. And and yeah, it was great. I was off and running. So it was how, how soon was that before you came to Jamestown from Duluth? That was... Fifth and sixth grade. Okay. And then what grade did you come to Jamestown? Well, I always would come down for the summers, but then when I moved down here, I was like 16 or 17, I think, maybe 17, 18.
0: And I think that's when I met you, Um, Mm because I don't think we hung out when you were coming here for the
1: summers. No, Um, we didn't at all. Because we met in school, so that would make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I honestly, I, I knew a couple of jocks. I mean, my childhood friends were like really... Sports kids, and I, I just it wasn't in me. I tried, but it just wasn't in me.
0: So, by fifth and sixth grade, you were into metal and what was then known as rap, yeah,
1: yeah, and the monkeys, and the monkeys, and and of course, Princess Purple Rain. Oh man, it was all and it, it was funny because that particular song, the Paul Simon song, they like turned me on to music. I want to say it was slip side in a way. I'm pretty positive it was because there's a line in there and because I missed my dad really bad, even though I didn't really know the guy. But there's uh, the last verse like, I don't want father with a son. You want to tell him all the reasons for the things he done. He came a long way just to explain. He kissed his boy as he lay sleeping. He turned around and headed home again. And so I thought to my, I just, I fantasized like, well, maybe my dad comes and like just touches my head and kisses my head and goes home to North Dakota and, you know, goes home. But it's like, I just missed my old man. He was cool. Yeah. And then, but it's that seemed to me like there's messages. There's like music that like, people are, you should pay attention because people are trying to talk to you is the way that I, I honestly looked at it and forever, you know, forever. And, like, I thought like, like there were, there was discernible messages and you just got to be, You know, not all music is for you, but the ones you want to latch onto because it's almost like breadcrumbs. These, these, this is going to lead you to some enlightened state or something. And then I saw the monkeys and uh, they were happy. You know, I I was just a really unhappy child always been a downer <laughs> a drag. And, but I mean, I was, it was really early where I just, I was like latching onto anything that was like, like some escapism, you know, like I wasn't at a, I was too young for drugs at the time, but you know, it just felt like something was missing. And these, all of this music was like, I, like it just seemed like they were talking to me. There was messages because even at a young, you know, Growing up in North Dakota, there's no shortage of racists and shit like that. And I mean, every youth, you know, especially like in this area, you, 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 there's a point in your life where you hear that rhetoric all the time, racist rhetoric all the time. And it, it, I, I knew it was bullshit. You know, what I mean, I, I I knew it was bullshit. You know, I, and I really didn't. I wasn't so much a defender. I wasn't like didn't have a soapbox or anything. But it just seemed like, you know, some of my favorite people in the world at the time were you know people of color, like Bill Cosby. Half of you know a good chunk of the reason I'm a musician today is because uh Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. That's probably fifty percent of the reason I'm a musician. How so? They were a bunch of poor kids. Growing up near a junkyard, I was essentially a a poor kid living near multiple junkyards and they were building their own instruments and I never built my own instruments. Well, that's not true. I like set up a bunch of crap and like played drums, you know, pretended to play drums, but I never like built a string instrument, but it, it was Fat Albert and also the, the Run DMC album. What it just seemed like, I mean, people don't like these guys. There's like I I knew a whole bunch of people didn't like the circle because they were black, you know, because again like they like Jamestown man like I was hearing racist shit as as far back as I can remember, and but uh, it 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 just seemed like oh I mean like these guys these guys both kick ass and you know I'm like I live in a junkyard you know there's music in my life and I'm like man like it just felt like another piece like I was you know. Coalescing all these different factors, and eventually, I'm gonna have this, you know, this, you know, sense of destiny. Because I, I don't know, I, uh, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still looking for pieces.
0: So, when you moved here, when I first met you, I know that you know we started jamming out together, and I can't imagine either one of us probably played guitar any longer than a few years prior to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I, even
1: that. I owned one, but barely played it. I, right. I was... I, I, I like beat my guitar and throw my guitar because I didn't know anything. Instead of practicing, I'm like, you fucking guitar? Why aren't my fingers working? <laughs> and I, honestly, it was more of a thing that I had. Like bombs, bass. I didn't ever use it, you yeah. know? But then I heard enough... Like, there was enough. i like, oh, okay... She had to get off the pot, and so I just started playing along with stuff. How soon before you met me do you think you were, you know, practicing a daily? Probably two years. Yeah. You know, a year and a half, two years, and I was writing right away. Right away. Were you writing lyrics and music right away? Yeah. For sure. Oh. for For sure.
0: I mean, like... So you were instant singer-songwriter. You wanted to write songs and lyrics.
1: Yeah. I went so far oh my god as to like I think I was in seventh grade. I wrote there's like forty some poems. And I imagine looking back I I haven't seen them since that time. I imagine they're fucking horrible. <laughs> horrible. And my nephew Ronnie in LA tells me he still has one of these, but I I made them gifts for all like a bunch of family members, like, you know, because like I my family's shit kickers, and I I just felt like you know I, I honestly felt like you know there's gonna be a, there's gonna be an artist in this family, and so I put a whole bunch of poetry and I put them in like these little folders and I titled it something I have no idea what the hell it was some pretentious shit I'm sure from a seven year old or seventh grader's perspective, but uh, then I. Handed out, and yeah, I was always writing. Where was I? <laughs> yeah, in seventh grade, I made all these poems, and I was really into Master of Puppets at that time. I loved Master of Puppets. I thought the lyrics were amazing, and so I really started writing. And I played a you know, and I'd, I wrote right away because I, I didn't know any, I didn't have the concept of like cover band or original band, But I knew that, because I I would, I'd figure out some like Metallica riffs or some other stuff like that, but it almost felt like sacrilege, you know, I'm like, don't don't play those, those are written, you you leave those alone, you know, because I I was too young to, you know, I wasn't watching bands at the time, like live cover bands and shit like that. So I thought like, these are inspirations, you don't do these, you know, and so, you know, and so I, I I was writing really early, and it's all shit, obviously, you know, ask any person who's ever been playing for half of their life. I'm sure they said i think very rarely it's like, yeah, the first few songs were gold, <laughs> you know you're still yeah. you're still chiseling chiseling away at the you know the so you decided to take that creative risk early on well mean look at it, look at it like that, and I just—it seemed like risk to make art. Yeah, perhaps, but it seemed—it just seemed to me like, again, like where I thought music was like talking to me. I honestly thought that I was putting together some great puzzle. All the music that I was looking at at the time, you know, when I like really started writing, I like I wasn't writing in fifth and sixth grade. Around seventh, I think, probably sixth is when I started like just writing different like poetry and shit, but. Would you say you had some creative voice in you that had something to say? Some level, I thought that that um, because I would—I remember, like this is before writing anything. I would just walk around doing shit and just scat, sing stuff. You know, I grew up in the country, and I would just walk and hang out with these in these old abandoned, you know gutted, burned-out cars, you know, a couple of miles back from my house. And I would just walk around, just make a... and just sing different shit. And a lot of times, you know, like, no words, just melodies, just shit like that. And <laughs> it... I've always been musical. I mean, I, I have a report card boxed up. <laughs> uh, when I was in third grade, where... On My report card says uh, Travis uh, has something like has poor attention. Here, he doesn't pay attention a lot, but he he interrupts class all the time singing. <laughs> it's awesome because it's on a report card. It's totally awesome. And that all came. I remember the reason I started singing. To go even further back, my earliest memories of singing were there was a creepy closet next to. The toilet, and my dad's bathroom. There's this gun closet, which I mean, it's, you know, he wasn't a gun toter, but he used to hunt, and so he had a gun, you know, in this closet. But it was really dark and really deep, and just this creepy fucking thing. And I, I believed in ghosts and just monsters and shit at this like, I mean, this is like four or five, really, really young. I thought this was a haunted closet, and at some point. And some somewhere I had heard that music soothes the savage beast, and so whenever I'd sit on this toilet, I would sing because I thought it would deter this monster from coming out and eating me up while I'm taking a poo because <laughs> 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 it was a major concern. I would you know, again, I was like uh, four, five, really, three really, really young, toy age, stuffed animal age mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I remember being just sitting and just looking, expecting this door to start moving or something. Yeah. Because I saw Salem's lot and I was terrified of ghosts at the time. (laughs) And then I met you. I mean, you quite honestly, you are the first friend I really made in Jamestown, like in a social setting. Like I see people around, but I didn't really know them. But you were you were like my first foray into like new high school. You know, this guy has cool rock and roll hair. You did. He had badass long hair at the time. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is one of my dudes. And, was, and right away we started jamming. And we essentially, you know, started writing right away. It was awesome. And you were a talented musician back then. I mean, you've always been talented. You know, I was just a single dude strumming by myself and playing and then like very early on you like laid down a harmony on something and it was like from that point on i'm like okay everything i ever write from this day forward will have a harmony part on it Mm. and i had never even and i'd heard harmonies a thousand times but no one ever sung them with me and then you did and it was just okay new deal you know and yeah and so we really started writing and I, I regret not being one of these guys who, like, locks himself away and just busts his ass and playing his guitar. Because, like, you and I just and Joe Fever started this band. And, like, just mere weeks. We were like, okay, let's be in this talent show. And people ate, ate us up, man. They ate us up. On the Yep, stage. That stage is a thing, man. That's a good time. It was uh, Jalopy Grave. Yeah, Jalopy Grave. That was the first act I was ever in. And that was awesome. Young naive, so very naive. When you still think that you're you're gonna change the world. You could I I would never in a million years go back to that age. Too confusing and lost. I was, you know, just because the shit that had gone down in in my childhood. I mean that age for me was just I was a fucking basket case when I moved down here and I think we
0: we got the name For Jalopy Grave, because there was a lot of kind of old, crappy cars in your backyard. Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah. Essentially, it was a Jalopy Grave. These old busted-out cars, old pickups, and it was great. (laughs) It was great. We've always had weird band (laughs) names, but yeah, and and it was. Do you remember practicing out there? Because like he he taught me a couple chords, but he never would like really try to instruct. I was like, okay, I see that you're playing, you know. So here's a C, here's a D, here's an A, here's an E. I don't think he taught me an E. I think he just taught me the, the three. But uh and so we <laughs> most of our songs back in that day were those three chords sh- shuffled around. And I remember us practicing in that one apartment that you stayed in, that side pro- that side apartment there. Right. And I remember him coming in. He's like, and he. Walks in, he's like, eh, "Pretty loud." He's like, eh. "He's like, if you're gonna sing, you should have good diction. If you're gonna say something, they should know what you're saying." I'm like, "Fucking a, Milo. You're so badass, <laughs> badass." Because we were screamers, we were screamo, you know, and yeah, it was great. So we kicked it around for a while with you, and after that first gig, that's when the first second, because we played a couple gigs at the. School, right? That wasn't the only one. I thought there was a couple. Yeah. Anyway, that was the only one. That was the time I met Ziggy. You introduced me to Zig. Mm-hmm. And like I was saying, how I never... Because I just started learning guitar, you know, I you know to to pursue it when I met you. And so we threw these songs together, met Ziggy. He's like, you guys are great. Want a gig? And so we just started gigging. And so I never went through the... Got to get my bones up. Because right away, I'm like, oh, you know write as much as you can, but I, like bud shreds on scales and just is meticulous. And I just wanted his lyrics and rock and rock. You know, I, I, I wanted to contribute more messages, you know, cause I honestly thought someone would give a shit one day. Cause when you're that young, you honestly think that, you know, this is, this is going into the ether that, you know, is, is occupied by this, spiritual force you know and i've never been a spiritual person far less now than i ever was but that's the greatest thing the, the being young and, and just thinking like i'm with i got my gang we're, we're you know jocks there's douchebags but we're a fucking rock band that's the age <laughs> you know and like we're of the age of 40 now And we've been playing forever, you know, just, you know. Yeah, it was kind of a game changer, uh, Mark
0: Zeisler, Ziggy, Mm -hmm. taking us under his wing. Absolutely. And more so uh, taking you under his wing. I mean, he became a mentor.
1: Am I right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you and I were just scratching the surface. We were brand new musicians. We had the bands that we loved, and we were writing these new songs together. And he was a few years older than us, and he was in a working cover band that... Was a very successful cover band, and to date, I mean, I still have DVDs of theirs, and I've seen a thousand cover bands. The greatest cover band I've ever seen. I mean, there was uh, they were a powerhouse group when they were on. Man, they were just uh, their stage production, and they always had great singers. And but yeah, he he liked what I was doing right away. I was like, yeah, man, get your stuff together. You know, get you know just have a bass player. And then we met Kelly, but uh, Ziggy was instrumental. But then at the same time, I mean, I mean, we were kindred souls, you know, we, I mean, we loved rock and roll, you know, he was just, you know, more successful at the time. And he was, you know, I can say this now because he's passed away, you know, so that he can't be indebted for anything, but I mean, right. He was my drug dealer. And, like, he got me all kinds of high on all the highs I could get. And mm-hmm. I can honestly say because of that experience with him, I don't regret a single day. Essentially wasted time, yes. But at that age, it, it, coming of age in a new town, you know, we got really popular. I mean, just like, people like us, we were like a rock band out of nowhere. And, like, there was a couple other bands who had been toiling for years at this point, and you know, they people thought they were okay, but right away, people like really liked this. Yeah, yeah, he totally nurtured. And but he was like, he wanted me to have the the, the the rock and roll experience. And so we opened for those guys so many times, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And and that was in the, the, the 90s. And it's so insane how. Now the music scene now in Fargo, how vastly different it is from what it was back then. Because it was—it seemed like it was electric back then. I mean, and now it's just just a bunch of hippy dippy bands that I don't know, man. And a lot of my friends were in these hippy dippy bands, but I miss the fire. And I miss the rock bands, the really good rock bands. I mean, there's a couple, but. I mean, in this area now, it's everybody wants to be the fucking Grateful Dead or things of that nature. And I never myself delved in too much. I've listened to a lot of Grateful Dead because most of my friends are Grateful Dead fans. But I don't, know. It's, I don't know. I've always had a problem with songs that say over and over again how good it's going to be if you keep partying. <laughs> you know, and because like, it didn't take, you know, it only took me a few withdrawals to realize there was a lot more of that story. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And then, so when Ziggy died, because he he was trying to get me to move to Fargo from Jamestown and move down, and, and and all that time, you were you were already down here. And I don't think I knew that when I moved down here right away. But then, I'm like what Jackson, Fargo, That's awesome. Uh, yeah it was great now now we're going to be in a band again <laughs> yeah man and that is the way all things work
0: yeah. when they're thrown into the ether Travis Mr. Gilbertson thank you very much you for check. being on my podcast it was a pleasure yeah, for my ramblings. <laughs> I loved it thank you very much well there you have it folks that about wraps it up once again Another successful episode of Into the Ether with Jack Alaka. I really love Tom Travis. His humor is only exceeded by his talent. And I've been proud to call him a close friend for more than 20 years. And even prouder to have formed the earliest band in both of our lives together only to be reunited more than 20 years later. I know we're all inundated with information and data constantly flying by every single day. Everybody's constantly asking you to share and like and follow this and mail that and email this and comment that. and I get it. But realistically, what am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to click a couple of buttons. Make a couple of clicks. Make your finger literally move three millimeters and push a damn button. Can you do that for me? I would be beyond grateful if you could move your finger three millimeters to push a button on the mouse and send me some notifications that you like what I'm doing that you approve of it send me notifications saying you disapprove of it I don't care do something to let me know you're involved in this process this process of moving through the story that we call life Until next time, this has been Into the Ether with Jack Alaka.